Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Amy Bishop. Amy is a qualified, insured, end-of-life doula and has earned the proficiency badge with the National End-of-Life Doula Alliance. She is certified through the end-of-life training from Going With Grace and has completed the intensive grief training with Our House Grief Support Center. She's a hospice volunteer and a grief support specialist. Additionally, she is a professional yoga educator and incorporates meditation, stress reduction, and pain-relieving breathing techniques into her end-of-life work. Today, we talk about her work as an end-of-life doula and how she provides support to individuals and families during this important process. Welcome, Amy. I am so happy to be here. So I've never had an end-of-life doula on my podcast before, (laughs) so you are the first one. Maybe just educate the listeners, what is an end-of-life doula? That's a great question. So an end-of-life doula, first of all, while it's a fairly new professional field, it's not something that's new. It's just, it now has a title and can be a job. (laughs) But it is someone who works, I'll say it for me, I work with people holistically at the end of life or not even always at the end of life, but I provide physical, practical, emotional, and spiritual support. It's a non-medical position. So I am not a, a nurse. I am not a doctor, but I provide care to someone who may have a terminal diagnosis to their family. And then also I provide end-of-life planning for somebody who might not even be at the end of life, somebody who just might have realize that, oh my goodness, we're all going to die one day. And wouldn't it be the most amazing gift I could offer those who will survive me to have my end of life plans in place? Got it. Okay. So how did you get into this? What was your path? I don't think it was a path I knew that I was on. I think I fell on the path and then was like, ah, So it came through a lot of my own personal losses. I lost my first, my first big significant death. I'd I'd lost an uncle and a couple of grandparents and so forth in my childhood. But my first significant death was my sister. When I was 25, she died suddenly, unexpectedly leaving behind at that time, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. And it was a very... It was an incredibly difficult time. I mean, d- difficult is a, a huge understatement, but it was it was a moment in time that started a shift for me. And I didn't know that at the time, but I can look back now and go, ah, that's where things began because that's where I started to accept that life is uncertain and that it will end and that there's no given and that tomorrow is not promised all those little cliches, but they're true. And then I, in the last, you know, many years, I lost not only my sister, I lost my father and then one of my best friends. And then some years later, I lost my mom. A year after that, I lost my other sister. And a year after that, I lost my aunt. And a year, not even a year, 
yeah, a year after that, I lost my brother in, in 2020. And then my uncle later on that year. So it was just like loss after loss after loss. So all my immediate family that I grew up with in the same household, they're all, everybody's gone except for me. And my parents both had longer, slower declines. My sisters were both sudden and unexpected. My brother's was a slow decline, but we didn't realize how sick he was. So when he died, it was very sudden and unexpected, even though, again, in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, he was really, really sick. Um, so I've, I've been through a heck of a lot of grief. And what kept coming up for me again and again was that we, we just don't do that very well in this country. We don't do death and dying and loss and grief very well. We don't know how to talk about it. We avoid it. Death is like this taboo subject. And after my second sister died, there was a day that I was just really, really having a hard time, really struggling. And I was sobbing. And I, I just said to my husband, I think I'm supposed to do something with it all this grief. And I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. I didn't do anything with it for another year. I just had no clue. And then I heard the term and I don't even remember where it was. You would think something so significant would be like, and then there was this moment, but it, I can't remember how, where I heard it. I think it was on a podcast. Actually, I heard death doula and I heard it interchanged with death doula and end of life doula. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. I wonder what that is. And I looked it up, you know, Google searched. And as I was reading it, it was like an aha for me. It was, it was a moment where I, where I thought, oh, this is, this is it. This is the thing. And so then it was a matter of, you know, how do I, how do I learn how to do this? How do I get trained? How do I, how does one become this? And so I found a training. I looked for several different ones. And the one that made the most sense for me was one with going with grace. And I learned so much in that training. And I also learned that I knew so much that I knew more than I thought that I did, but I just needed to shape it and solidify it and be confident with it as well. What is the curriculum? There's a lot because so the end of life doula role can be extremely varied depending on what that particular doula wants to focus on. So some people really like end of life planning and they do a lot of the kind of the, the paperwork stuff before a death. Some people are drawn to that and maybe the, the end of life wrap up, the paperwork that comes after death, because there's a tremendous amount of that too. And other people are drawn to bedside vigil or home funerals or really being support for families and so forth. So the course itself is, it's all encompassing because you, you kind of need to know all of it. And then you can start to fine tune what calls to you. And it might not even be what you think, you know, you might, you might get surprised and go, Oh, I didn't think that that would be something that was appealing to me. I know that the first time even in the training, I hadn't done it yet, but in the first conversations about washing a body after death and caring for someone right after the death, I thought, okay, pass. I don't, no, thank you. <laughs> that's not going to be for me. I mean, I'll learn this module, but that's not going to be something I'm doing. And then when I 
studied that chapter, that module, the more that I learned about it and the less kind of taken aback I was, the more I thought, wow, this is actually a really beautiful way to to care for somebody and to give them their, their final, most loving goodbye. I've still had moments though, where, where I have been with a body and I've been like, how did I get here? <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, Cause it's not my background at all. Like I said, I, I kind of stumbled on this through my own personal losses and never uh, a few years ago, or would it, if somebody had said, this is what I'd be doing, I would have thought, huh, I don't think so. (laughs) So it's definitely an interesting field. I am very passionate about it. I I really love it. I find it extremely fulfilling. It's not easy. There's a huge emotional component to it as well. And when I heard about the work you do, I was very much drawn and curious about kind of the emotional support that's given in this process. And when you think about end of life, and creating meaning for someone at the end of their life in order to ease anxiety and fulfillment in terms of kind of the time that they have left, in addition to also creating an experience for family members or friends that are about to undergo kind of a major loss in their life. I guess I'm just curious about how you approach that. I know it's so different with each individual case and person. Yeah, it definitely is different with everybody because people come to it with different experiences and with different, you know, if someone has had losses before that flavors what their experience is, or if someone grew up in a family where death was never spoken about, that also flavors that. In addition to, you know, having gone through a lot of of grief, I have studied grief as well. I have taken courses on grief support and grief counseling. I'm not a therapist. And so when I'm working with someone, if I am getting the sense that that would be helpful for them, then I refer them to a therapist. But grief support is something that we can offer each other. And really it's it's holding the space and allowing the person to experience whatever they're experiencing in the time that they're experiencing it. And not trying to talk them out of their feelings or trying to say, you know, well, let's look on the bright side or, you know, oh, well, it's not that, you know, let's talk about something else. Or it's really just being with the uncomfortable feelings. And that's, I think, what makes this so unique. And it's, and, and what also makes it not for everyone, because it is something that not everybody is comfortable with that. You have to be able to just kind of sit and be there while someone is falling apart, you know, whether it's because their own life is going to end very soon or they're losing somebody and they're afraid of what comes next after this person is gone. And it can be extremely uncomfortable and difficult, but it's also so healing. It's so healing to have somebody listen without it being someone who has a stake in the matter, who's either just like, I don't want you to feel sad. So let me say things that won't help. (laughs) Mostly is what, what we have found is that, you know, I think, I think anybody who's had a significant death in their family, that person can tell you that there are so many things that are said that are just, they're not helpful, you know? 
And I can imagine there's cases also, I mean, a lot of what you do is kind of families want you to help them move forward in the dialogue. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I've had families. I had a client who was, I was actually surprised that I don't know why, because I could still see the benefit, but in a moment I was surprised because she has grief knowledge herself. She studied grief herself. So I was kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah, of course. You know, but then I've also had families where no one wants to talk about the elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about the person who's dying that no one wants to say the word die. No one wants to talk because everybody's there's this funny balance between accepting that it's going to happen one day and trying to stay positive or to stay focused on healing, finding that both can exist at the same as that both. And but a lot of times we get very black and white. Well, if I, if I start talking about it, then that's going to make it happen. And it's like, you know, I always tell people, I was like, just talking about sex doesn't make you pregnant. So talking about death doesn't make you dead. So (laughs) we could talk about it. And the other part of it is that at some point, all of us will die. There is no way out. There's no way around that. There's nothing you can do to stop it. We will all die. It's a brutal truth that some people have a really hard time wrapping their heads around. Right. Right. What is, as you're talking, what is the definition of doula? Cause like you think of doula as a birth doula, but what, what is the name actually? Yeah. It's mean? a Greek word and I've gone completely blank on the actual definition, but I, it's support, okay. uh, maybe support or care. I don't know. Because somebody who speaks Greek is going, Oh, why does she not know this? <laughs> but it's this idea of providing someone with support. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It's care. So it's, you know, it is similar. A lot of people do know of birth doulas and they know that that's somebody who works alongside a medical team, but that is there to help support the process. And just like in birth, not everything goes according to plan, right? You have a birth plan and then, you know, at the end of the day, your plan is everybody comes out healthy and everything's okay, but the way you get there doesn't always happen. And it's the same thing at the end of life. You can have a plan, doesn't always go that way, but you can ease a lot of anxiety by having a plan in place, even if it goes haywire. And it also really, really helps if you're clear, you meaning the person who is going through the dying process, if you're clear, and the people around you know what your wishes are, then they can follow those wishes. If they don't know, then it's complete chaos. You know, so you've got somebody who's dying from an illness or a disease, something happens in the body, maybe they start having seizures or something, and the person doesn't know what to do, and they're in a state of panic, and they call 911, and the person is rushed to the emergency room, and they don't know if they have an advanced directive, so... Next thing you know, they're doing CPR and all of this stuff. And if there had been a conversation that was clear, the person who was dying might have been able to say, I don't want any of that. If something happens like that, make me comfortable at home. I want to be at home. The stats are, the stats are really interesting. The statistics are like 80 to 90% of people want to die at home, but most people don't. It's literally about that many 
who die in hospitals or nursing homes or hospitals, they don't die at home because a lot of times we're following the care of a doctor and doctors keep saying, this is what we can do next. This is what we can do next. So this is what we can do next. Or somebody panics or the person panics because they're not prepared for what things might, what might happen. Yeah. And I think about your role when you think about birth doulas, your role is similar in terms of before the actual birth, you're there with them preparing, discussing different ways that things might play out. And then near the end, you're kind of a little bit more involved if, if they want you to be. That would be my preference is that yeah. I would get to know the family a little bit before and would have some time to get to know them. And it has happened that I have been there, you know, met them once and then they died. It can go that way, but in an ideal situation, yes, I get some time with them. We have several occasions to be in, together in person and, and then get a plan in place or get some ideas together of what they want. And then, you know, hopefully I'm there in the moment that the person goes. But honestly, that, that's also just like with, with the birthing process, it doesn't always go to plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also am wondering, because for some individuals, there is definitely more of a spiritual or religious aspect to this process. So how do you kind of weave yourself into that? I mean, people have so many different views on this, but how do you blend in with, with their beliefs? And that's an excellent question. So I'm a longtime yogi. First of all, I've been a yoga teacher for decades. So I have a, a pretty grounded practice myself. And I really do my very best to meet people where they are with their spirituality. If it's not directly addressed, then I will, you know, kind of poke at it a little bit and see, you know, well, what, what are your beliefs? What do you believe happens? I try not to answer the question of what do I think happens when someone dies? Cause I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. None of us does really. We really, nobody knows because nobody has come back from a, from a death and been able to tell us we've had people who've come back and been resuscitated, but they have not died and gone. So I stay in the unknown. I will ask questions to help the person who is wondering to help them work out what their understanding is or what their beliefs are. Sometimes we don't get to it. Sometimes we just come to the conclusion that we just both don't know. (laughs) But I do try to help ask the questions that will give the person the answers that they're looking for rather than me answer them. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like it's this, if someone holds specific beliefs, religious or spiritual beliefs, like it's encouraging them to move forward with that and absolutely those to kind of allow that to be of help to them as well. For sure. Mm-hmm. And if they have a rabbi, if they have a chaplain, if they have somebody, a lot of times they'll address those questions with them, but sometimes they don't, or they don't believe in that or, or they aren't really practicing a certain religion. So they're, they're just uncertain, but I do try to offer those that again, offering that space. Right. And it is a very therapeutic you know, process of just saying, well, you know, turning it around and being like, well, what do you think? <laughs> you know, what are your yeah. thoughts on this? Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. I hope the listener learned that 
I mean, I learned a bit more about what you do in the process. And it's just fascinating to me that this this job exists. And I mean, it's so meaningful, I'm assuming, to you in terms of the work that you do and the time that you spend with people and families. Yeah. And I've had people say, is it depressing? Isn't it so hard, the work that you do? And I'm not going to lie. There's times where I come home and I feel very, I feel more, more than depressed. I, it's more that I feel quiet. Mm-hmm. I feel quiet and respectful of the fact that there's something so much greater going on than, you know, most of my little problems that I get caught up in, just like everybody else. We all get caught up in stuff. And then you go, okay, wait a minute. Let me zoom out. Let me zoom way out. But I don't find it depressing so much. The more you face the end of life and get clearer on your wishes at the end of life and what you'd like for that to look like, you get clearer about what you want your life to look like. You get clear on what's important to you. So I always say to clients, you know, it feels like a conversation about death. It's not so much a conversation about death as it is a conversation about life mm-hmm. and how to have those days, however many there are, be the best that they can be in these circumstances. Yeah, yeah that's well put. I feel like that might be the best place to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of really important words to think about. Yeah. I mean, before I, I say goodbye, is there anything else you, you would like to add to the listener, add to kind of make sure that everybody knows a bit more about your work or do you think we kind of did a pretty good overview of it? Yeah, I think that is a pretty good overview. I would say if you're, if you're dealing with end of life, dealing with an elderly parent, someone who's dying in your, in your world, don't be afraid to seek out some support. Even if you don't wind up using a doula for like a full, a full, you know, nuts and bolts kind of full thing, just having some support, some grief support, somebody to listen, somebody to kind of talk through some things can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on and I'll make sure we have your information in the episode description. So the listener, if they want to learn a bit more about the work you do, can make sure to come find you. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Take care. Thank you. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.